Episode 263 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Simonoff, setting in for Bill. The Wichita Business Journal held its annual ICT Summit last week, and about 200 people attended to hear from more than a dozen civic and business leaders about moving forward in the city we love. One of those leaders was Luis Rodriguez, President and CEO of Keycentrix. And Luis joins me in episode 263 to talk more about what we can do as Wichitans to ensure progress. We'll also get to know Luis a little more. He's got a great story. And we'll talk about what's happening at Keycentrix. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is a look at what was said at the ITC Summit last week. Wichita Business Journal reporters wrote stories out of each of the three panels, highlighting the themes of the discussions, and also wrote about keynote speaker Damon Young of the Kansas Leadership Center. He got the day off to a good start with things to think about as we ask ourselves how we can help Wichita grow and prosper. That story begins on page 14. This week's list is real estate auction firms. See who ranks at the top, and also read about why auctioneers are saying this is a unique time in the industry. The list is on page nine. Our special report in this week's edition is real estate construction and design. Reporter Shelby Kellerman looks at small businesses that have made themselves social media media friendly. That's Instagrammable, if you will, as a way of spreading the word about their work or products. That story begins on page 12. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly leads section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our leads section this week begins on page 20. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. It's great to have Luis Rodriguez on this week's podcast to talk not only about his view of Wichita, but what what the city means to him and to Keycentrics, the company he has led since 2017. Luis, thank you for joining me. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, so I know Keycentrics as a healthcare management software company, but get into the details of what Keycentrics does. Sure. So we write uh, software, three core products today, that a product called New Leaf, a product called FlexTrax, and a product called Senkey. New Leaf is a pharmacy management software. And when we say pharmacy, we don't mean pharmaceutical. We mean where people go get their medicine from a pharmacist. And that software, uh, helps pharmacists manage a workflow that ensures they do all the things they need to do from a regulatory perspective, but also uh, informs them throughout the process so they can do their best job for the patient. Pharmacists don't just count and put in a pill bottle. They analyze the dosage. They look at other things and decide, is this right? right. right? So our software helps with that workflow, uh, and that's what New Leaf does. And uh, FlexTrax is uh, the part of the software that helps you when you go up to pick it. If you've ever picked up medicine at a pharmacy and they make you sign 
like I am myself or I am the parent of the person and you sign it and then you and then you, it Dylan's like you pay it like two different ways right like All right we have a point of sale that simplifies that so it talks to the pharmacy management system and makes that a much more streamlined thing that's called flex tracks and then uh, Simkey is what we call our patient engagement platform and a lot of people are on chronic uh, uh, medicine, you know, chronic illness medicine. And so they need reminders. They need to be double checked. Do you still need this? Did your, did it change? Because doctors write it with refills, right? And pharmacies are attempting to make sure that you adhere, right, to your medicine, to your therapy. Uh, so they do a lot of talking to the patient. So modern day patients don't like to get phone calls. So we wrote a patient engagement platform that lets you do it in a number of different ways. And that's what SEMQ is. I would think that as, as technology gets better and better, you, your company has to continue evolving with these systems. Uh, how easy or tough is that these days? Well, as time goes on and uh, the world matures with their use of technology. Uh, it becomes easier to introduce new things, easier to push the boundary of innovation with the user, with the adoption. Uh, it becomes more difficult to execute it, right? To, to think of ways to fit all the technology together in a way that when they're all together, there's a meaningful outcome. Mm -hmm. So if, if you look at the workforce and the tools in the workforce as an example, you know, go Google a to-do list and look at all the software that exists, the things they've cracked the code on tracking your to-dos. <laughs> and there's so many tastes and so many things. And then that's one part of your project management or one part of your daily management. So you can innovate pretty well these days because the adoption is easier to convince people to. What gets difficult is, well, now how does that the output of that solution or that technology product lead to the input of the next thing that when they're combined, now you're making an impact, mm -hmm. right? That's a little harder. So it's kind of easier on one hand, harder on another. You're, we've written about in, the, in Wichita Business Journal about how your company has grown over the past few years. Uh, I'm assuming that was in the plan. Have you grown even more? Um, you know, you, you've, Let's say you've been the CEO since 2017. It, it, has it gone even faster than you anticipated? Well, technically since 2018. Right. right? Okay. Uh, it was begin very beginning of 2018. Uh, and I remember having, you know, when that happened, getting an interview with the journal and uh, was misquoted. It said... We would never misquote you. It was an accident. I'm, I'm sure you're... Uh, okay, it was an accident. <laughs> but it was. It said, I plan to triple revenues. Right. Like that's bold, man. <laughs> who who says that? Right. And uh, I remember thinking, well, good thing this isn't what my board uses. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it turns out we actually did triple. So in 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 the you know four years since, uh, we've actually grown quite a bit. We we actually did triple. So now I can pretend like I had that. Yeah, that's what I said I was going to do right here in the journal. We wanted to make you look like a genius, and we did. Uh, so there's been a lot of growth. Uh, I think um, the growth is a product of what our software really does. You know, we had engineered it looking at where the ball was going to be years ago. Uh, and that, that foresight 
is actually what put us in a strong position for growth now. And now we're trying to leverage that growth in, in new and uh, bigger ways. So growth is still in front of us. Uh, it'll look different, but we still have a lot of growth. I, what I tell the people we recruit is um, Keycentrics is like a rocket ship. And when you think about the trajectory of a rocket ship and where it's going, uh, you get excited. You're like, oh man, that's the future, right? But maybe you don't think about the fact that the entire time you're in the rocket, you're hoping it doesn't blow up. You're screaming, right? Like <laughs> it's not, it's not a, you know, it's not the Boeing Dreamliner. Uh-huh. Right. It's like there's ice flying off. You can see that in the window. Maybe a panel flies off, and you're like, it's okay. We don't need that for re-entry, right? Like you're making that kind of decision because you're a fast-growing company. Those are the things that are going on. So a lot of growth ahead of us, and it's 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 a it's a rocket ship ride, which is not smooth. <laughs> Something tells me you watched Apollo 13 a lot as a kid. <laughs> I think about like, uh, you know, movies glamour, make glamour out of this, but I think about like the shuttles, the reusable shuttles that used to be in service and how like one of those heat tiles were flying off. And they're like, well, we need to, like they carry some in them. We need to get out on the ship and replace that because we're going to blow up. If that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think about that and I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, just in a funny analogy, that's eccentrics. We're moving so fast and it's such a strong trajectory with such powerful fuel that, you know, there are th- things that are, you know, purposefully minimized in importance, pur- purposely designed to break off. And, you know, that'll become something we focus on when we hit this milestone. And when we recruit, we like to inform our em- prospective employees, this is the kind of company you're signing up for. because. They might come from a place like NetApp or Cargill or or uh, an aviation company like Textron, and you know that's not what they're doing over there. They're not rocket ship growth. You know they're stable, right. right? They when they invest in opening up a new arm or a new thing, they throw a few billion dollars in there and maybe slightly overstaff it because they know they can do a layoff later, right? They 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 gamble with sometimes people a little bit more than we want to or can. And so we got to recruit people that are able to be astronauts, Mm -hmm. right? And you're doing this recruiting in the Midwest, which you have long advocated for. We're going to talk about that more in in a little bit. I want to get into your background a little bit, because for people who don't know your story, it's a really interesting story. You were born in Puerto Rico. I am. Uh, and just recently I came upon you telling this remarkable story of your mother and her resiliency and how you, how you came to the U S, uh, talk about her a little bit and how she's a part of you. So I like to credit, um, you know, my ability to process and draw inference, uh, from my mother. She's better at it than I am. Super smart. I, I, I tell people she's legitimately like an unsung type genius person. Um, and so I, you know, she lives in me from there and it's funny because, you know, like when I, whenever I'm hanging with my stepfather and we're doing something together and I'll be like, hold on, maybe we should do it this way. He'll start giggling. Right. Cause he's like, you're like your mother. You're like your mother. Right. Like move. I got this. Right. Like, just let me do it. <laughs> right. And, you know, I can see that. Uh, but that's a product of, you know, she, can compute pretty quick and develop a path. It's not always right, but she can 
draw inference and 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 make an educated flow of it. So it should, that's really helped her be ambitious and kept kept us fed. And uh, she didn't just accept her circumstances. Um, and you know, her children, us, we're all better for it. So absolutely love my mom to death. Not per not perfect. Neither am I. Nobody's perfect. I don't want to present her as a saint, or she'd be the first to tell you I'm not a saint, but um, she's a saint to me. Mm -hmm. How did she and the rest of your family get from Puerto Rico to Wichita? Well, um, we got out of Puerto Rico primarily for job opportunity. Uh, my, my father, my biological father, had an opportunity in New Jersey to operate a McDonald's, like to learn, operate, and be part of the ownership structure of the McDonald's. How old were you at the time? Five. So he went to Hamburg College. It's a legit training thing. It's amazing. He still has his degree. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's degreed. He has, uh, I think, two bachelors and, and masters, different things. Uh, and he teaches in Puerto Rico. But he back then, you know, uh, my mom and dad uh, got married. They had me. And then they had my two older brothers that were from a different marriage. And so, you know, got a family and we had to take care of it. So my mom was doing some work. My dad was doing some work and they just wanted more. They got an opportunity. They felt like they couldn't turn down. So my dad came to New Jersey on his own first, got started doing stuff. Uh, then we followed. It was, you know, it's the coast and even relative to then expensive. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of in a small space. My my only memory of New Jersey, this will make you laugh. Do you know what Voltron is? No. Well, Voltron was a early 80s cartoon. And it was many cat robots could come together and make a big robot. Okay. Uh -huh. If you Google it, it's on Netflix now. It's a thing. Okay. They Isn't, every, it. It's Isn't everything on Netflix yeah. now? Yeah. <laughs> It, and and I don't want to like oversell it, but it's awesome. And I had a one of my few toys was this little Voltron figurine about you know seven inches tall, and it like could move and it had the you know the Chuck Norris karate jump, catch out, right? And I was playing in on it on the windowsill in in New Jersey in an apartment complex that you know had window units, and so you know we would open up the window and it was cooling up, and so I'm you know, floors, you know, 20 floors up and playing at a windowsill with this Voltron um, and I knock it over and, you know, it falls out of the window. And it, to me, Voltron was falling like Hans Gruber and Die Hard. <laughs> no. Right. And ended up like in the alley. And I remember begging mom, let's go get it. And we couldn't. It wasn't that at first. It wasn't safe. Mm -hmm. uh, second, like just logistically, we weren't ever going to get down there and find it. Like if somebody would picked it up, if it wasn't smattered into smithereens. So I remember losing my Voltron. <laughs> like that's my memory of New Jersey. But, you know, uh, what happened was New Jersey just wasn't a lifestyle that was compatible with uh, what my mom wanted. We were far away from family. Um, McDonald's, we can do that just about anywhere. Uh, we had family here in Wichita uh, that were stationed at McConnell, uh, the, the chaplain uh, at the Air Force Base was a, 
uncle, right, married in, so my mother's sister's husband. And so we came to Wichita and joined them here. We got an apartment. Uh, things unraveled from there. My my family didn't, my parents didn't stay together very long in Wichita. He left to go back to Missouri, but he stayed here. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where that story starts. And that's part of her resiliency. Yeah. She kept going and you, knowing your brother, no striving. She said, we've got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Did it. And alone. Mm -hmm. okay. Talk about growing up in Wichita, which would have been in the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 80s. Uh, you know, I've got, you know, uh, we lived for most of that time in the Twin Rivers area, which is right next to Twin Lakes. Shopping mm -hmm. Center. It was an apartment complex, and uh, my mom just did a little of everything while she was going to Bowtech and learning English, and she just was always working, right? Just doing something to pay for the apartment, to keep us fed, clothes. Um, my brother, my brother was six years older, right? Um, we had uh, made connections at the apartment complex, so she had this elaborate daycare situation going on. My brother being six years older also helped because mm -hmm. he was kind of the de facto grown up. Um, and we made it through, mm -hmm. right? But Twin Rivers area went to Cloud Elementary for a little bit, you know, go Thunderbolts and uh, went to Pleasant Valley for a little bit. I went to Puerto Rico some during this time, so I didn't do Pleasant Valley exclusively. Um, and I went to North. I actually finished high school here at North High School. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I, Wichita, I, it's home to me. Right. And I like to tell people, I learned English and Spanish at the same time. Uh, I can speak Spanish. Uh, the more I speak it, the more natural it is to me. Sometimes I have to get back in the rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, and it's fine. I can speak green and write, right? English, I can speak, read, and write. But every now and again, if I get too passionate or emotional, because Spanish is the first language you learn, I'll jack up the grammar, right? When I'm writing, I have to be careful about my grammar. You know, in Spanish, they talk about the subject before the descriptor, right? Like right. they'll say, you know, the car is red. You know, from the get, you're talking about the car. Mm -hmm. In English, you'll say the red car. And so they keep you a little in suspense. You're like, we're talking about something that's red. Right. That's also a car, right? Uh, and I, those orders get jacked up. And so I say I'm no lingual because it's just not brilliant on either one. <laughs> but I also feel that way about what I identify with. Sometimes I feel like a fish out of water in both places. Mm -hmm. I love Wichita and I call it home. But every now and again, my Puerto Ricanness makes me stand out. And, and I love Puerto Rico, but what's about me that's Wichita? Right. is well out of place down there. So I, I'm no lingual, no full-on 100% anything. But if I had to pick, if you're going to ask me, I'd say Wichita's my home. Good problem to have to be no lingual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember your first job here? I do. Uh, my first job, is a funny story. It was at a laundromat on um, 29th Street. 29th Street and Porter. It was a laundromat. And so what happened was, you know, we didn't have a lot of money spending cash. Uh, I wanted to certain things and toys and stuff. And, you know, my mom could only do so much. 
and the laundromat was on my walk home. So I went in there one day and went to the laundry mat operator on the way home from school and said, uh, I will clean every washing machine in here for a quarter each and I'll do your dryers for 50 cents. Now I remember thinking the dryer scared me. I'm a little dude. I was, this is middle school. Okay. And I'm short as it is. And the dryers, I felt like all I needed was someone to like close the door on me and hit go and I'd be dried. <laughs> so I upped the price for the dryer <laughs> because of the risk. For right? personal safety. In my head. Right. Yeah. And I don't know what it was about how I pitched it as a middle schooler, but I, you know, this was, this would have been sixth grade uh, that made the person chuckle. I mean, and they laughed at me and said, all right. So I, they, they told me I don't need them every day clean. So just come in twice a week. So I come in Tuesday, Thursday, and I, they had a whole cleaning kit for me and I would clean all the machines. How long did it take to do it? Uh, the first time a while, because the first time I'm like, this has got to be like, I got to eat breakfast off this machine. Right. Right. And so I'd overdo it. Right. But, you know, after a few months, you know, I, it was pretty quick <laughs> and maybe, it may be an hour and a half worth of my time. Mm -hmm. uh, now, did you go away to college? Did. Uh-huh. Why? Did. Why not stay here? Uh, frankly, and I'm not putting this on, um, the public school system or anything, but I, I don't know that I have an efficient counseling to say, here's where you can maximize your education, right? Did you already know what you wanted to do in life? I had an idea. It's not what I ended up doing, but I had an idea then, and I was certainly stubborn about it then. Uh, but I, you know, being, I was an honor roll kid, you know, in, in high school, I was involved in ROTC. I think counselors probably thought I'd go into the military. Uh, my brother before me went into the Air Force Academy. So, you know, they make probably certain assumptions. So I don't think I was properly guided. And and unlike kids now who are well more informed and they're just smarter than I was then, uh, you know, I was kind of just in the wind. So I made decisions based on where I could effectively use the money I did get. So I went to uh, Northwestern Oklahoma State in Alabama because the Pell Grant plus a, a couple of small scholarships there covered what I needed. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I went. Mm -hmm. Came back to Wichita to begin your professional career. Tell me about that. Yeah, I landed at Bombardier. So just to get in the door somewhere, you know, the labor market isn't what it is now. So to get in the door somewhere, I started as a parts runner at Bombardier because my mom worked at Bombardier mm -hmm. uh, and she was eyeballing the job off openings and trying to say, well, you could probably get this really easy. Right? And I just I listened to her. So I got a parts running job, which is fascinating. They give you a little, you know, Sea-Doo is owned by Bombardier. Right. So Sea-Doo makes these little golf carts mm -hmm. that are branded. So on the planet of Bombardier, you have all these. So you got one of those. And anything they needed to get from one building to the other in a hurry, that was my job. Right. <laughs> And it, to me, it's a joke because I'm like, well, if you need that at that building, why don't you have some at that building? Why does it arrive at this building? Like, I didn't understand why you're paying for me. Right. Right. <laughs> There's a more efficient way. There's got to be. But that's what I did. I, my job was essentially like NASCARing the plant with things in the back. Mm -hmm. And it was fun for the first couple of weeks. And 
after you run parts and you're not always in demand. So I filled in the blanks uh, by working in the tool crib and it was so inefficient. I reorganized the tool crib uh, and inventoried some things a little bit better and that caught the eye of someone. And then, then that's finally when I got uh, put into a, you know, a real professional role in material planning and material planning came up with a spreadsheet that, that uh, pre predicted parts inventory better. And so the replenishment cycle, I improved the cost of the spreadsheet, ended up going to all the material planners, the spreadsheet we were using. And then that uh, moved me into a statistics position with Lombardi. And I just sat there and did math for the rest of my time there until they laid me off. Mm -hmm. We'll hear more from Luis next week in episode 264 about moving Wichita forward. That's it for this week, though, BizTalk with Bill Roy podcast. Check out all our podcast episodes at our BizTalk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. BizTalk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.